Hello and welcome to another Imagining Freedom podcast which is focused on our rights and freedoms. With the governments of Scotland and the UK announcing the launch of vaccine passports for certain venues, I need to put my thoughts on record because this is such a highly politicised issue and opinions are prone to getting twisted into ridiculous exaggeration. I've never been an anti-vaxxer. I've never thought twice about having a vaccination when it was needed to prevent tetanus after I got injured or cholera when travelling to an undeveloped country. In general, I've resisted unnecessary medical interventions, certainly for the last 20 or 30 years, especially as, as I've got older, because I've noticed that the amount of medication that many older people take seems to have increased over the years. My grandmother, who was born in 1897, took hardly any medication and she lived to the age of 93. Of course, some people have to take medication, so I'm not saying that they shouldn't take it. It just seems that lots of older people seem to get prescribed one medication, then that has side effects, so they get prescribed another drug for that. And the cycle just goes on and on, and sometimes it spirals into poor health. That's what started to happen to my mother and luckily our family doctor intervened and got some of the medications she was on stopped. Years ago I was prescribed tablets for IBS and the doctor told me that they would have to be taken for life. I was horrified and decided to endure my symptoms instead and they were really horrible symptoms. Not long after that I found out that the real problem that which was causing my symptoms was an intolerance to cow's milk. So I stopped taking cow's milk and everything cleared up, thank God. So I was able to treat that problem naturally and I'm so glad that I didn't just take the IBS drugs. Maybe some people have to take those. So I'm just making the point that where possible, I try not to take medication if there's an alternative. And a few years ago, I found out that my intolerance to cow's milk had probably been triggered by three courses of strong antibiotics that I'd taken in the the late 1990s. So I tend to avoid taking antibiotics these days, but if I need them, I will take them. And that's my attitude to all conventional medicines. I will take it, but only if I really need it. If I get a cold or flu, I'm happy to let nature take its course. And in fact, I think it was 2016 the last time I had a cold. And I can't remember the last time I had flu. And if I get a headache, it's nearly always due to dehydration. So we now have a situation that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. Vaccine passports are being launched by a government that I actually voted for years ago, the SNP. I certainly wouldn't vote for them again. In fact, I wouldn't vote for any of the mainstream political parties. These vaccine passports are to be required for entry to certain public events. This is how it starts. Soon it will be more things that you have to have a vaccine passport for. And they will only be valid if you've had two doses of this so-called vaccination, which has not yet been fully trialled and which has openly stated potential risks to life and long-term health in the accompanying government literature. 
The reason for this measure is supposedly to combat a disease that has been associated with the deaths of less than two people per thousand in the UK and fewer than that in countries like Sweden, Finland and Japan, which have not enforced lockdowns by law. According to official government figures, these jabs have not protected people from getting the serious effects of the Delta variant. In fact, figures from Public Health England consistently show that of those who have been hospitalised or have died with the Delta variant, twice as many of them had received two doses of the jab compared to those who had not taken the jab. This could be because people who are elderly or who have comorbidities are more likely to have been double jabbed early on. But surely it should raise enough concern for these trials to be paused rather than pushed on people. The potential dangers of vaccine-associated disease enhancement were warned about in scientific journals like Nature before the vaccines were launched on the public. And this has also been outlined as a potential risk in the official UK government literature associated with all these vaccines. And I'll put the sources of all these details in the show notes. The figures coming in from many countries around the world indicate that this vaccine-associated disease enhancement may well be happening, just as the scientific research warned. Because all around the world, as these vaccines are rolled out, the numbers of cases and deaths from COVID or its variants seems to be on the increase. A recent study from Israel that was conducted on more than 600,000 people indicated that natural immunity built up in those who'd already had the virus conferred stronger protection than being double jabbed. And quoting from the study... This study demonstrated that natural immunity confers longer-lasting and stronger protection against infection, symptomatic disease and hospitalisation caused by the Delta variant of SARS-CoV-2 compared to the BNT162B2 two-dose vaccine-induced immunity. The study was covered by Kim Everson on the American channel The Hill. A bombshell study released last week shows those previously infected with SARS-CoV-2 have natural immunity that offers 13 times more protection against the Delta variant than vaccination alone. The findings are from Tel Aviv. They followed over 700,000 people that were broken up into three different groups. Those who were vaccinated with two doses of Pfizer, those who had recovered from a previous infection, and those who had recovered and received only one dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Now, the study found that those who had recovered from COVID were 13 times less likely to end up reinfected, concluding that natural immunity confers longer lasting and stronger protection against infection, symptomatic disease and hospitalization. Now, though the researchers did see some increased benefit for those previously infected who also received one dose of the Pfizer vaccine, the researchers concluded the difference was statistically insignificant. The study is not peer-reviewed, but it shows that there are many unknowns about the success of these vaccines, never mind the risks. And certainly coercing them in this way is, to my mind, totally wrong. The vaccine rollout does not appear to be reducing the number of fatalities or cases of COVID, and it may in fact be playing a part in increasing them. 
The fact that governments are not pausing the public rollout of these jabs until more is known and understood about this seems astonishing to me. And the fact that these governments are actually using the law to very strongly coerce people, including young people with their whole lives ahead of them and pregnant women into having these untrialled jabs, indicates to me that there must be grave criminality afoot. There are massive profits being made from these pharmaceuticals and even greater profits to be made if the jabs lead to health problems over the long term that might require further treatment. I personally don't believe in the idea of a group of evildoers who control the world. Of course there are very wealthy and powerful elites, but almost all of us play a role in keeping them in power, mainly by buying their products. Few of us want to rock the boat or disturb the status quo as long as the system is feeding us, giving us jobs and entertainment or bread and circuses. I think that every one of us has a different price, a different time when we draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough. For me, that moment came with enforced face masks. I'm aware that I'm in a a privileged position because I haven't had to wear a face mask for my job, for my bread and butter. And I'm not sure how I would react if that was the case, if I was still doing an office job. Maybe I would have retrained for a new career during furlough. I just don't know. I have stopped going to the climbing centres because I won't wear a mask. And to be honest, I find it creepy seeing lots of fit and healthy people wearing face masks. Although I, I am aware that some people are just completely terrified by the whole thing. But the key reason that I won't wear a face mask is because I've known all along that this was eventually going to morph into vaccine passports. It'll be interesting and probably very depressing to see if this is the case once the full details of the government's vaccine passport rollout are revealed. I suspect that it will be. But it's an issue of leisure for me. It's not really that important. For other people, it could be a lot more important, a lot more critical. They could be at risk of losing their jobs and their livelihood over this vaccine passport. Where's all this going? I think it's leading to a much, much more controlled society, a cashless society. And I do often wonder if the reason that Sweden has got away with not enforcing full lockdowns or mask mandates by law is because it already had a virtually cashless society in place before COVID appeared. I know this because one of my relatives used to travel to Sweden regularly for work before the first lockdown and told me that it was almost impossible to use cash there. I'm very sad that things have turned out this way. In fact, I've stopped going to protest events. I don't know whether that's good or not. I feel quite torn about it in my own mind. But my intuition tells me that there's a big divide and conquer thing going on. And I think a lot of people don't really understand why people are protesting against these measures. The press likes to label protesters as anti-vaxxers or anti-maskers, as if we just can't be bothered with it or that we don't think COVID exists, or that we don't care about the people who've died. And some people don't think that COVID exists. I know it exists. I just think that the kind of enforcement policies that have been rolled out over the the past couple of years do absolutely nothing to reduce the effects of COVID. 
And I also think they are criminal, part of a money-grubbing protection racket. The political theorist Etienne de la Boétie wrote in the 1550s that rulers never undertake an unjust policy, even one of some importance, without prefacing it with some pretty speech concerning public welfare and common good. There seems to be a lot of sensitivity with any comparisons as to what's going on now with Nazi Germany. And I understand why this is. The atrocities that happened under that regime were nothing like what's going on in the Western world today. But I've always thought, how did that happen? How did the German people allow those horrors to unfold? Why was no one able to stop it happening? If it was to happen again today, it wouldn't happen in exactly the same way. We wouldn't see a man with a little moustache yelling hate speech to cheering crowds. We wouldn't see jackboots and stormtroopers. But we could still see horrors. There are atrocities happening right now in various parts of the world. What would I have done if I had been around in Germany in the 1930s? I just don't know. But knowing what I know now about that time period, with hindsight, I would always want to be vigilant and make sure that it never happens again. So when I see signs that we could be starting to go down that path, I get very concerned. It's not something that you can be complacent about. There was a fascinating and very disturbing interview conducted in the 1990s with a black woman who grew up in Nazi Germany. And I think there are some chilling parallels in what she said with some of the things that we're seeing right now. I certainly intend no disrespect to this woman, Esther Anumu Fordham, who died in 2019. Quite the opposite. She seemed to be an incredible, beautiful woman who gave us a valuable and very honest record of how and why people behave as they do in such situations. It's only by pushing aside all the false morality and sham ethics and having the guts to face up to how we all are as humans prone to behave in high-pressure situations that we can learn from our mistakes and take the courage to move forward in a more positive way as a species. So I'm going to finish by playing some of the words of Esther Anumu Fordham as she was interviewed by Frank Fitzgerald in 1995. I'd encourage you to listen to the whole interview, which is about an hour long and incredibly fascinating. I'll put the link in the show notes. You, you folks, I mean, your family and everything, were pretty well Germanized then, I mean, in a sense. Um, yeah, very much so. I mean, you did, you, it doesn't sound like anybody was very political or anything. Or, no. I mean, you had these Jewish friends who were, who were put out of business, so to speak, and, right. and put away into whatever, I mean, I, you know, if they were, were they called concentration camps? I mean, uh, I mean, and what did that mean to you? And, and it, uh, but yet, you, you know, it's still, it, it's it was still, in, 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 within you, it, it still didn't, uh, make you think that uh, I'm on the wrong side here or anything like that? I mean, well, it was, it, in, in one way it was. It just all depends on how you took it because what, what could you do? You couldn't, yeah. you couldn't fight. 
you know, you couldn't say anything. And it, it I mean, sometimes... Was that really in your mind or, or what? Yeah, that, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm, maybe this is the way I am. My, my sisters were a little different. You know, you just accept things as they are, mm. you know. I, I couldn't do anything about it. And I just, in, in this, you go into the store, I mean, I wasn't like, you know, like this. I was just whispering it. There was some time you go into the store, you had to say Heil Hitler, mm -hmm. you know. To who? To this, to this storekeeper, uh -huh. you know. And he had the big sign outside his store, Any, every, anybody who enters has to say Heil Hitler. Really? That, was our, that was our milk, where you buy milk and cheese. Uh -huh. Yeah, Milchmann. And he, he, he was, uh, you know, I mean, he was a real, was Nazi, a real Nazi. So my mother, you know, they were people, some Germans were, you just had to be, my mother would say, oh, that guy over there, he's a big Nazi. You better not say anything, you know. Mm -hmm. And then you could say this to her, they say, oh, they are okay, you know. Mm -hmm. They just go along with that. Mm -hmm. But some of them would say, don't you say Heil Hitler, you know, you, you don't come into my store if you don't say Heil Hitler. Mm -hmm. So that's the way, so it was like, you know, s some, some were like on one side and the other one say, well, you know, what can I do? I don't want to go into jail. I mean, I don't believe what he's doing. I'm against him, you know. Maybe after it's all over and Hitler win, I'm going to go, you know, go into the concentration camp. Who would say this? Uh, some Germans. If you've enjoyed listening to my podcast, please subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. If you'd like to make a comment, download a transcript or view the show notes, go to imaginingfreedom.co.uk. Thanks for listening.